the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead. I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and also a bankruptcy law certified specialist, certified by the State Bar of California Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I also hold two legal master's degrees, one as a master of the laws of taxation, and the other as a master of the law of intellectual property. Because of my training and interests, I practice bankruptcy, debt wealth management, estates and trust, real estate, and taxation law. I'm so pleased to be able to come to be with you again today from the beautiful KFAX studios in the San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some financial issues confronting families and small business owners. Please note that this show does not provide legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show serves strictly as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might help you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and to help you provide and have an outline of the issues that may help you seek out qualified professional help for whatever your issue might be. So today we're going to continue our discussion of Bankruptcy 101. To recap, in our first show, in Part 1, I gave my definition of bankruptcy and explained why bankruptcy law is so critical to the proper functioning of our capitalistic market-based economy. For you see, the laws of bankruptcy act as the safety valve that gives entrepreneurs and individuals and families the freedom to take on the risks of starting a business or starting family units with the knowledge that if they run into financial distress, that is the result of an honest miscalculation of a business risk or the downturn in the economy or a shift in the marketplace that causes the financial distress or when an individual or family takes on risk of purchasing a home or automobiles or other consumer goods through debt or in some cases underwriting the formal education for themselves and their children and As long as the taking on of these economic risks, these debts, these obligations that result in financial distress were taken on with the intent to repay, 
and not manipulated or calculated to perpetrate a fraud on their creditors, our government has a U.S. constitutionally based legal procedure that may give the honest owner of these businesses, the honest members of these families, a chance to start afresh without the burden of overwhelming debt that tends to destroy the quality of their lives. The bankruptcy process also gives the debtor's creditors some assurance that they will receive their fair share of whatever assets that are made available to creditors, and sometimes that means that they might take nothing, but they can rest assured that if they take nothing, nobody else will take nothing if they're in the same class. Then in weeks two and three, I began our discussion of the key players in the bankruptcy process and gave you an overview of some of their major functions. I discussed the kind of debtors that can file for bankruptcy, as long as they meet the definition of being a legal person, including the fact that Chapters 7 and Chapters 11, the debtors therein, may be individuals or corporations or partnerships or trusts or nonprofit organizations such as churches or unincorporated associations such as a homeowner's association. I also discussed the fact that Chapter 13s are limited to individual human beings, a person that breathes and goes to the bathroom. And these individuals have regular income. And Chapters 12s are limited to small family farmers or small family fisher persons, be they owned by and operated by individuals or corporations. And I also shared with you the fact that some corporations are not eligible to file for bankruptcy, usually for some stated public policy reason determined by our Congress, as is the case in insurance companies because of an agreement entered into by the states and Congress after World War II, mandating that all matters or businesses that deal with the business of insurance, including how their solvency is monitored, what kind of reserving regulations they must attend to, and the financial rehabilitation, if it's able to, or the winding down of a defunct insurance company, remain the purview of the elected or appointed insurance commissioners of the several states. The agreement that overrode the implications of the Commerce Clause of the United States Constitution calling for the solvency regulation of most businesses conducting themselves in the stream of interstate commerce and therefore susceptible to our nationwide scheme of federal bankruptcy laws was known as the McCarran-Ferguson Act of 1945. Similar in effect, but for different reasons, entities such as railroads and entities that trade or otherwise deal in stocks and bonds or participate in the stock market are also excluded from the federal bankruptcy court because there are specific governmental agencies that deal with the regulation, rehabilitation, and liquidation of these entities. I also discussed the fact that municipalities, which are political subdivisions or public agencies or instrumentalities of a state, such as a city, a town, a village, a county, a school district, or any kind of special taxation entity, such as the fire suppression district that we have in Oakland, can also file for bankruptcy if and only if it receives permission from its upstream sovereign, that is to say, one of the several states, such as California. 
these municipalities fell under a special bankruptcy provision known as Chapter 9. However, I did not mention another special class of governmental entities that might appear to fit into this municipality category, but they actually do not. These are entities created by or controlled by Congress, including the District of Columbia and the several U.S. territories, such as Puerto Rico, which is actually currently in a bankruptcy-like proceeding that required a special piece of legislation known as the PROMISA, passed by both houses of Congress and signed off by former President Obama back in June of 2016. I then discussed the debtor's creditors, the entities to whom the debtor owes money or some other form of tangible or intangible economic value. There is a public policy-based hierarchical pecking order in the bankruptcy code that this that dictates the priority in which each class of creditor, including secured creditors, priority unsecured creditors, and general unsecured creditors, get paid, and how much the creditor gets paid, if at all, in a bankruptcy case. I then turn to a discussion of the role of the debtor's attorney, a role that I play when I file for the most part, but I also sometimes represent creditors. But a debtor's attorney's job is to zealously represent her client and to shepherd the debtor through the bankruptcy process, a process that is fraught with procedural booby traps that may overwhelm even the most intelligent debtor and sometimes his or her attorney. And I I use as emphasis that these procedures are sometimes contradictory and because the process is rule-based and based on the bankruptcy code, I say not having a competent bankruptcy counsel is a recipe for failure similar to taking a butter knife to a gunfight. If you're lucky, you might leave a mark on your opponent or even poke her in the eye, but in the end, you'll be dead soon thereafter. I then touched on the role of creditors' counsel. They, too, zealously represent their clients with the goal of obtaining the best result they can for their client and to act as a counterbalance to the debtor's attorney. I then spent a good deal of time uh, on the purposes of the bankruptcy court, including the role of the presiding judge who decides controversies in the case and her staff of lawyers and paraprofessionals who help the judge analyze and decide disputed matters of law and fact brought to the judge's attention by the parties in the case. I then turned to the judge's courtroom staff, whose job it is to make hearings run like my observation of how trains run in Japan, at high speeds, with precision, and without collision. You can find the podcast of these discussions at the Selwyn's Law section on the KFAX website. This week, I'll conclude our overview of the key players in bankruptcy by discussing the statutory monitors of the bankruptcy process. That is to say, the Office of the United States Trustee and the various types of trustees it appoints that are charged with administering a debtor's bankruptcy estate for the benefit of her creditors and not her. So who are these key players, the remaining key players. The Office of the United States Trustee is a subunit of the Department of Justice, and 
the U.S. trustees vetted and impaneled fiduciaries who, upon the filing of the case, become the de facto court-appointed individuals charged with administering each kind of case for the best interests of the unsecured creditor classes and not the debtors. Again, these people's function is to make sure that the creditors are treated fairly. You, if you're filing for bankruptcy, have to swim for yourself and find your own attorney. So with that, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll go over these individuals and their functions in greater detail. Back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. Again, we're going to conclude our discussion of the key players, and there's one key player and a class of players that I want to go over. The first is the Office of the United States Trustee and the United States Trustee Program. According to the information contained on its website, the United States Trustee Program is a component of the Department of Justice that seeks to promote the efficiency and to protect the integrity of the federal bankruptcy system. To further the public's interest in just, speedy, and economical resolutions of bankruptcy cases filed under the Bankruptcy Code, the program monitors the conduct of bankruptcy parties private estate trustees, oversees related administrative functions, and acts to ensure compliance with the applicable laws and procedures. It also has a very important role of identifying and helping to investigate bankruptcy fraud and abuse. And it does this in coordination with the various United States attorneys and, most importantly, with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Bankruptcy, basically, is there to help a, a distressed cred, uh, debtor and to make sure that creditors are treated fairly, but the program must maintain integrity and it must ferret out those who would tend to misuse the process via fraud and to abuse their creditors. So the program was established by the Bankruptcy Reform Act back in 78, and it became a formalized process in 1986 when uh, Congress and the president enacted the Bankruptcy Judges U.S. Trustee Family Farmers Bankruptcy Act of 1986. The program is funded by the United States Trustee System Fund, which consists primarily of the fees paid by parties and individuals when they file a bankruptcy case seeking federal bankruptcy protection. Again, the role of the U.S. Trustee is to serve as a watchdog over the bankruptcy process. According to its own mission statement, the mission of the United States Trustee Program is to promote the integrity and efficiency of the bankruptcy system for the benefit of all stakeholders, and that would include debtors, creditors, and most importantly, the public. The United States uh, U.S. Trustee Program uh, is charged with overseeing the United States Trustees Program and that's accomplished through the Attorney General of the United States. Why did Congress deem it necessary to create this program? 
The program was established to reduce the role of the courts in appointing and in supervising private trustees in bankruptcy cases in order to avoid conflicts of interest and the appearance of cronyism. You see, under the prior law, trustees were appointed in liquidation cases by the bankruptcy court itself. As a result, concern arose that the relationship between the courts and the trustees was not sufficiently independent. History showed that creditors were inactive in many cases given the fact that they'd likely not receive a very large result for their efforts. When Congress passed the Bankruptcy Reform Act in 1978, the legislation created a new pilot system that sought to separate the administrative duties in bankruptcy from the judicial task, leaving bankruptcy judges free to resolve disputes untainted by the knowledge of the administrative matters unnecessarily and which might have actually been presidential presidential to the judge if they knew about all of the administrative issues going on in the case. The system was intended to provide for active oversight of the bankruptcy cases in the absence of creditor involvement. But under the current law, the Bankruptcy Reform Act provided the creation of a pilot U.S. trustee program. The legislation required the U.S. trustees to appoint private trustees for individual cases. The system was designed to eliminate that awkward relationship between bankruptcy judges and private trustees whom they appointed, which had had generated a great deal of disrespect and distrust of the bankruptcy system from many members of the public that knew about it. Congress established this program within the Department of Justice as an aid in the administration of bankruptcy cases. The task of the court was now removed to the U.S. trustee program. So each U.S. trustee is responsible for establishing, maintaining, and supervising a panel of private trustees that are eligible and available to serve as trustees in Chapter 7 cases, of the, and that's in the United States Bankruptcy Code. To be appointed to serve, the trustee must meet eligibility requirements, including moral requirements, physical and mental fitness, duty, accessibility to partners and interests, freedom from bias, and certain experiential and educational qualifications. Many trustees are lawyers or CPAs. Members of the panel are appointed for and serve an indefinite term. They serve so long as they meet their qualification, maintain their education, and are not removed for cause. The U.S. trustee may increase or decrease the total member of a given panel, and, and he or she may rotate panel membership to achieve diversity of experience, geographical distribution, or other characteristics as long as they are not based on race, color, religion, sex, national origin, or age. Originally, the panel of trustees were appointed by the U.S. trustee composed of members of the local professional community, again, lawyers and CPAs and the individuals that supported them and their staff. U.S. trustee will generally make a public announcement when a trustee position is open and um, people can bid for the job if they like. Upon the commencement of a Chapter 7 case, the U.S. trustee appoints an individual from the panel to serve as interim trustee in a case. 
the trustees are notified of their appointment by the U.S. trustee. Sometimes the trustee delegates the responsibility for uh, selecting uh, a, a trustee to the bankruptcy courts, not the judge, but the administrative staff, the clerk of the bankruptcy court. But no matter if they delegate it or keep it in-house, the U.S. trustee is responsible for supervising the work of the panel trustees, including their bonding requirement, who they bank with, the employment and supervise who they hire, such as trustees hire lawyers, and or if they're not, or uh, CPAs, they hire CPAs. And so the U.S. trustee program monitors these professionals who do work on behalf of the government through the Chapter 7 trustees. When it comes to a Chapter 9, a U.S. trustee has very minimal involvement in as much as Chapter 9s are the kind of bankruptcies for sovereigns, and so the U.S. trustees do not have responsibilities associated with Chapter 9 cases. Now, they do, through uh, a standing trustee, supervise the work of Chapter 13 trustees as well as Chapter 12 trustees. So, the, for example, how do they f- fulfill their responsibility? In a Chapter 7 liquidation, uh, they would appoint a Chapter 7 trustee, and the Chapter 7 liquidating trustee is responsible for marshalling all the assets of the debtor that are not exempt, meaning these are the assets that it, the debtor could use to start his or her new life. Anything that's not needed for that, and there is a statutory uh, allocation of the debtor's uh, equity in her home, say the value of her her car that she can keep to start her new life. Anything else has to be marshaled and put under the control of the Chapter 7 trustee to liquidate it, turn it to cash, and use that cash to pay the debtor's creditors. Uh, They're also responsible for supervising Chapter 11 trustees. And as strange as it might seem, when you file a Chapter uh, 11, the debtor, takes on the role of the trustee initially and will keep it throughout the course of the case unless he or she is replaced by an appointed Chapter 11 trustee or the uh, U.S. trustee has a trial attorney come in and take over the case in a case where the Chapter 11 debtor in possession is not fulfilling his or her duties. The trustee also works in Chapter 12 cases. These are Fisher Person and Farm cases. And so, again, the U.S. trustee monitors the work that's done by the trustees, makes sure that they're um, properly handling the work, that their fees are appropriate for the work that they do. Because remember now, a financially distressed company does not have a lot of excess cash, and the money that it does have have needs to go to the creditors. And so the U.S. trustee supervised to make sure that the fees of the fiduciaries, and these are all fiduciaries, is proper and appropriate for the kind and quality of work that is performed. So let's stop here. Now that we have an overview of the key players, when we get together next time, I'll go over some of the key procedures that take place in a bankruptcy case, including what happens right after the debtor or her creditors file a case. Till next time. This is Selwyn Whitehead. Thank you.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to SelwynWhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.